The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a weekly look at Portland's nonprofits and do gooders with interviews, music, and documentaries. You're listening to the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X Ray FM, brought to you by the Media Institute for Social Change, a public interest media lab that works to inspire, empower, and engage emerging media producers. Learn more online at mediamakingchange.org. Today on our show, we're spotlighting the work of Portland Animal Welfare Team. This is Phil Bussey. It's the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I'm talking to Nicole Perkins, who is Executive Director for PAW, which I should say the whole thing, Portland Animal Welfare Team. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me here. Of course. Now, I mean, now, of course, when I say paw, hopefully in most people's minds, uh, some sort of animal jumps into them. But why don't you tell us exactly what you guys do? Yeah, so Paw Team is a nonprofit, of course, here in Portland, and we provide free veterinary care for pets of people who are experiencing houselessness or extreme poverty in the area. Uh, So we provide vet uh, assistance, we provide access to spay and neuter. Um, Vet care can look like anything from general wellness, vaccines, basic care, um, to more complicated ongoing management for pets. Pets develop chronic conditions, just like people do, especially as they get older. Um, And it can be a huge financial burden. So we provide veterinary care. And we also maintain a pet supply bank that's open three days a week that anyone can come and access for pet food, coats, toys, beds, anything that they might need for their animal. That's Um, the the quick gist of what we do. (laughs) Yeah, no, there's, which is a lot to talk about. I mean, and and let's, I want to make sure that we we go back and and underscore, I mean, you're working with a very select demographic. Mm -hmm. Um, what, how did this organization come about? Yeah, Pot Team has been around for about 20 years now, all in all. Um, it started really informally, um, over 20 years ago, honestly, just in the late nineties, there were some veterinarians that were in the community and saw, you know, a growing number of individuals, um, living on the streets in Portland and living with their pets and wanted to make sure those pets had access to care. So it started super informally, just vets going out with a backpack and providing care. Um, And then over the years, we've slowly but surely grown, um, providing uh, pop-up tents and corner structures, um, you know, living in church basements or empty warehouses and providing uh, regular uh, drop-in clinics um, and growing and growing. And then a few years ago, we found ourselves in a slightly more permanent space out in Northeast Portland where we have an actual clinic set up here as well. So we have scheduled appointments here as well as weekend clinics. And then we also do offsite work as well. Um, So it began with people who just wanted to, who saw a need and wanted to get involved and make a difference. And it's really the same idea, even though we have grown and we see uh, you know, 10 times the number of people per year that we saw back then, um, at least. Uh, we're still primarily volunteer powered. We have a small staff, um, but all of the veterinarians that provide care are volunteers from the community. We have a small staff that manages medical cases and that also kind of manages the coordination of clinics and overseeing client uh, issues, but it's still hugely powered by volunteers. 
What, and what what numbers are we talking about here? How many how many people and pets are coming through? Yeah, and what kind of pets? I mean, are, are, is this dogs, cats, can it, birds? We just see dogs and cats right now, um, and that's because we do have a rotation of vets from the community coming in, so we can't reliably say that we'll have a vet that's comfortable seeing a, a certain exotic pet or another, so we just keep it to dogs and cats, also to stock our pharmacy pretty simply. Um, but we see over a thousand families per year, and families can have more than one pet. Um, so, for example, gosh, I just pulled stats recently too. Um, so far this year, we've provided care to almost 900 individual pets. Um, and this is uh, as of, you know, late September numbers, I guess I was pulling here. Um, and last year, despite the pandemic, we saw over a thousand individual pets. Uh, in 2019, when we were in pre-pandemic operations, we were seeing closer to 2,000 pets. Wow. I mean, so, so 100 pets a month, you're not open every day. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you're, that's, it's a pretty steady stream. Yeah, it is. Uh, we have, um, we see folks in a variety of different ways. So there are pets that we see for a vaccine or a wellness clinic here and there. They come in, maybe they come back a few months later for a little uh, issue here or there, and then they're, you know, otherwise healthy and we don't see them that often. Um, and then there are other individuals who truly rely on us for ongoing care for their pets. They might have um, a dog with skin issues or an older cat with kidney problems. Um, and we are able to provide ongoing management for that. Our staff uh, oversees prescription refills, oversees um, questions that come in about their pet's condition and either can answer it themselves or pass them along to volunteer doctors who can respond in their own time as well. So there are probably at least 300 pets that are truly receiving ongoing management through our organization as well. And, and I also just want to point out, I mean, so having a veterinarian clinic, mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's not the same as, you know, no, no disregard for other nonprofits, but that's a lot of equipment and sterilization. And I mean, that's that's an expensive proposition. It's, it's more than just having an office and some desks. Yeah, you know, it's pretty amazing what we can do. <laughs> so, you know, Patin started off just going and performing exams uh, on street corners. And while we do have a great clinic facility here, it is really what you'd see at... Um, at your day practice vet. We don't have any surgery suites here. Uh, we don't do surgeries on site. The spay and neuter is referred to community partners. So we are able to keep it somewhat simple. And that is truly by donation as well. Our, our medical budget um, is, I mean, our budget in general is pretty small and scrappy. Um, and donations make up a huge amount of what we can offer. Our, our pharmacy, we have an in-house pharmacy um, and it's made up 95% by donation, whether that be uh, drug distributors or veterinary clinics or individuals in the community that have uh, medications from their from their pet um, that they can pass along and then we're able to pass those along to people in need. And, and your office is there as well, the administrative offices, mm -hmm. right? Yes, it's one, um, I believe it used to be like a DMV office or something. <laughs> it's just kind of an old office space on 82nd and we have both uh, exam tables and desks in the same kind of area. Uh, and then downstairs we have our large um, supply bank warehouse. I, I, I imagine from, from your job perspective, that's gotta get loud now and again. <laughs> yeah, it can be a little chaotic, which is why we are only open um, three days out of the week. We're open to the public Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday for supplies or clinics. Um, even if we don't have a clinic scheduled, you know, folks will come in to ask questions or pick up their medications. Um, 
And since there really is no difference between the office space and the service space, we uh, do then kind of keep our Mondays and Fridays reserved for the quiet catch up time. Um, I mean, it's just, it's, it's truly a both unique and, and amazing service that you're providing, but is it, is it not without controversy? I mean, I, I think that um, sometimes, you know, people grumble about houseless persons having pets and, um, you know, it's, it's, do you hear that? Do you ever have to counter that um, frustration that people have? Yeah, every once in a while, I guess I am fortunate in the spot that I'm in that really the folks I hear from are people who are interested in our organizational line to get involved. So I, I generally um, don't hear from the folks that uh, aren't interested in what we do, I guess, um, for, for my sake. But yeah, I mean, I think there is some concern around that about if an animal is being taken care of, um, if they're given the best life possible. And I think there are a few things to consider with that. Um, First and foremost, I think most of us uh, recognize that poverty can be unexpected. Poverty can look different to a lot of different people and poverty can be really unexpected. And uh, we don't always know our financial futures. So you may be in a certain situation one day and then you, know, you have an unexpected life event and then your pet also gets sick. And just people are in unfortunate circumstances where they need to straddle a bunch of different crises at once. Um, unfortunately, a lot of pets end up in the shelter system in our country because they can't afford access to care, um, whether that be super basic care or they have a pet that has suddenly developed a condition that they just can't uh, afford the, the bills for. And then they end up surrendering their pet, which just creates an undue burden on our, on our animal shelter system as well. So we're really here to keep pets out of the shelter and with the people who are bonded to them and trying to provide care for them. Um, additionally, the folks that we see here uh, are, are truly bonded with their animals. And, you know, when I'm at work all day, my dog's at home, but folks that we see here are with their pets 24 seven and the bond that they share is really incredible. Um, from the benefit of both the, the human and the pet with that is, is pretty remarkable to see. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the points of conversation during uh, quarantine has been uh, the role of of pets of you know yeah. COVID dogs, COVID cats. Um, how, is that helping change the conversation at all? I hope so. I think people are recognizing the importance of companionship, um, and everyone deserves love and companionship, and you know another individual to rely on, whether that be a person or an animal companion. I think people are recognizing that more and more. Um, and a lot of the individual individuals we work with are living in isolation, whether they be unhoused or they are a senior citizen living on a very fixed government income. Um, a lot of folks are living in, in various forms of isolation and their pet means the world to them. And that, that unit is pretty incredible and they will do anything for their animal, just um, as we all would do, you know, regardless of our financial circumstances. I think that's the important thing to remember is that we're all, we're all people and we all have our important companions with us. And it's just that our um, bank accounts look different across the board. Well said. Nicole Perkins is executive director for the Portland Animal Welfare Team. Hey, do you wanna cue up a song for us? Oh goodness, sure. Um, you know, I have been listening to a lot of John Prine lately. 
the lonesome friends of sign say the world will end most any day. Well, if it does, then that's okay. Cause I don't live here anyway. I live down deep inside my head. Where long ago I made my bed. I get my mail in Tennessee. My wife, my dog, and my family. Uh-huh. Now Paul planted Pluto now. He never stood a chance, no how. When he got uninvited to the interplanetary dance. Once a mighty planet there, now just an ordinary star. Hanging out in Hollywood, in some old funky sushi bar. The lonesome friends of science say, the world will end most any day. Well, if it does, then that's okay. Cause I don't live here anyway. I live down deep inside my head. Where long ago I made my bed. I get my mail in Tennessee. My wife, my dog, and my kids and me. Uh-huh. The Vulcan lives in Birmingham. Sometimes he just don't give a damn. His head is full of bumblebees. His pride hangs down below his knees. Venus left him long ago for a guy named Mars from Idaho. The Vulcan sent a wedding gift, three-legged stool and a wheelchair lift. Uh huh. The lonesome friends of science say. This world will end most any day. Well, if it does, then that's okay. Cause I don't live here anyway. I live down deep inside my head. Where long ago I made my bed. I get my mail in Tennessee. My wife, my dog, my kids, and me. Uh huh. Bastards in their white lab coats who experiment with mountain goats should leave the universe alone. It's not their business, not their home. I go to sleep and it never rains. My dog predicts hurricanes. She can smell a storm a mile away. That's all the news we have today. Uh huh. Some friends of science say the world will end most any day. Well, if it does, then that's okay. Cause I don't live here anyway. I live down deep inside my head. For long ago, I made my bed. I get my mail in Tennessee. 
my wife, my dog, my kids, and me. Uh huh. That was John Prine, and this is Phil Bussey. It's the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I'm talking to Nicole Perkins, who's Executive Director of the Portland Animal Welfare Team, otherwise uh, known as PAW. I mean, maybe it's because I'm the father of a four-year-old, but PAW Patrol, um, <laughs> you guys ever get that, or is that just me? Uh, not too often, not as often as you might think. I hadn't heard of Paw Patrol before I started here, but I have definitely been informed now. Um, yeah, we get a whole variety. Um, we generally go by Paw Team, uh, but Paw Patrol certainly comes up. There's also other shelters that might have paws in the name that kind of gets confusing. So, you know, a lot of animal related uh, acronyms. I, <laughs> yeah, I think if you, sure. if you Google, I'm, I'm thinking Paw Patrol probably has a better search <laughs> ranking, <laughs> but uh, not the worst, not the worst to be associated with. They, they do good. They do good. <laughs> hey, I want to talk a little bit about uh, you, Nicole. So let's, sure. you, you mentioned a dog. Tell me about your dog. Uh, I have a hound dog. Um, we adopted him from a shelter about four years ago now. He's five. Um, he's stubborn and as, as many hound dogs are, <laughs> uh, but he's, he's quite a delight. Um, and, and you've moved up in the nonprofit ranks, if that's a way of saying it to you. Some of your background was with art, Eugene Art Walk, uh, uh, Zimbabwe, the program coordinator for mm -hmm. Zimbabwe Art. Um, how does that work translate to what you're doing now? Yeah, I mean, I don't think the art correlation does so much as my role in those places. I gravitate towards smaller nonprofits that are making a really big difference, uh, and I always have. And I love being involved in organizations where I can do a lot of different kinds of work. Um, I've also been a baker for a number of years, and I enjoy something that's fast-paced that I can kind of dip my toes into a lot of different areas. Um, so with that at PAW Team, uh, I was attracted to the mission from the first moment I heard about it. Animals have always been a huge part of my personal life, and I see the houseless crisis in Portland, and I know how important the animal bond is to anybody, and I wanted to be a part of maintaining that. So if there's anything that I can do to keep people with their animals, then I wanted to be a part of that. So I have done a lot of different roles at PAW Team as well. When I started here, I was a client and volunteer coordinator, um, and obviously volunteer coordinating is a big part of what we do. Uh, we rely on both veterinarians as well as non-medical volunteers to, to do what we do. Um, and then I also got to work really directly and closely with our client population. And then from there, there was an opportunity to take on the executive director title, which is a huge honor, was kind of a, a surprise and, and truly meaningful. And I'm definitely proud to be a part of this organization in that way. What has surprised you most about being executive director? <laughs> um, a lot of different things. So I think taking on an executive director title during the midst of a pandemic was a very unique time. <laughs> I jumped into this role in uh, July 2020. So we were well into the depths of the pandemic and had been operating in a different way. Um, and, you know, I've managed different 
in different roles in the past, but not quite at this capacity. And, you know, it involves a lot of flexibility at all times, but especially during a pandemic, uh, needing to change operations on a weekly or monthly basis. And how do you communicate that to volunteers and to employees? And how do you make sure that people aren't getting too burnt out and that you're providing the services that you need to provide to the people who need them and that you're keeping the people who are here doing the work healthy and happy as well? It's um, been quite an interesting balance, but, you know, we're hanging in there. <laughs> And what about uh, uh, the board of directors? I mean, as an executive director, obviously you have to work with board of directors. Yeah. Uh, has that been has that been fun? Has that been eye opening? Yeah, um, it's been great. I'm we're pretty fortunate to have a a really great and involved board, um, and we are just going through the midst of some board turnover just due to term ends and. Um, kind of now, you know, scrambling to do recruitment. And I'm really excited about the new energy that's coming onto our board as well. But we have just such a variety of backgrounds. There are veterinary professionals and there are nonprofit professionals. And I love getting to hear people from these different backgrounds collaborating on how to make this one specific mission better. I think that's really exciting. And I do love when our board members uh, volunteer on site as well. And you can see that connection to the mission and the work that they're doing. Uh, it's pretty, pretty valuable and meaningful. So yeah, I think it's, I've, I'm very lucky. I have a great board to work with. I'm sure that's not uh, shared equally across the board, across all nonprofits, but I feel pretty fortunate. And you're part of Willamette Week's Give Guide. Um, mm -hmm. Can you make a pitch why people should give to your organization or your organization in addition to other organizations? Yeah, I think the gift guide is wonderful. It's this incredible opportunity to get this curated look at all the work that's being done in our community. I am blown away as well when I see the organizations that I've never heard of and appreciate the opportunity to see them all, all put together. And um, it's just impressive how much work people are doing to make other people's lives better, I think. Um, but people should donate to PAW Team. <laughs> we are really a unique organization. There are other incredible animal-related nonprofits in town. And something that we have been focusing on over the last year and a half is getting to know all those organizations better to create more of an integrated social safety network in our community, working more with um, both animal nonprofits as well as human service nonprofits to make sure that, you know, we're, we're all supporting our community the best we can and referring people to each other in the best way that we can. Um, you know, we are here for the animal-human bond, and I do think that that, as you mentioned before, has really come into focus over the last year and a half, the importance of our companions and companionship in general, um, and also the economic instability of the world that we live in. I think all those things have come to the front, and we are a small and scrappy organization, and every little dollar really does make a difference here. Um, you know, a vaccine package can cost as little as $10 to be able to provide to someone with their animal. Um, a, a spay or neuter surgery can cost $20 or $60, depending on the animal. Um, even access to um, other care is needed, diagnostic tests to, to see what an animal's condition might be. Um, all that is you know, well under $100 because of the donated services that we receive and because of the veterinarian's time that volunteer. Uh, so I, I think I'm always honored that um, so many people contribute to our organization and it is just a team. You know, we need folks volunteering, we need folks donating and every little bit makes a difference. Yeah, and it's and, and you've been very articulate about how uh, this service is part of a much larger dynamic. Um, mm -hmm. 
you know, within, you know, some of the uh, um, issues that Portland is working with right now and through individuals' lives. And um, so thank you. Thank you for sharing your time. Nicole Perkins is executive director for the PAW team, Portland Animal Welfare. Uh, please do tra track them down in Willamette Week's Give Guide. Um, thanks so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. We appreciate it. We'll be there on the double Whenever there's a problem Round Adventure Bay Ryder and his team of pups Will come and save the day Marshall, Grubble, Chase, Rocky, Zuma, Sky Yeah, they're on the way Paw Patrol, Paw Patrol Whenever you're in trouble Paw Patrol, Paw Patrol We'll be there on the double No jobs too big, no pups too small Paw Patrol, we're on a roll the Nonprofit Happy Hour is made possible by Beneficial State Bank, a certified B Corps that holds to what it calls a triple bottom line of social justice, environmental well-being, and economic sustainability. If your organization or business is interested in underwriting our show, please email phil at mediamakingchange.org. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a production of the Media Institute for Social Change and KXRY Radio, X-Ray FM. Our host is Phil Bussey. Our executive producer and editor is me, Carly Meisberger. Archives of past shows can be found on our SoundCloud page. Questions, comments, or ideas about the show can be sent to info at mediamakingchange.org. Thanks for tuning in.